Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Paychecks Thrive. My name is Gene Marks, and thank you so much for joining us this week. And this week, um, I have Greg Ott with me here. Greg is the CEO of Nav Inc. at nav.com. Greg, first of all, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, pleasure to be here, Gene. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you know, just before we're going on, you're right. We, um, I, I do recognize you. Do look familiar. We, had, you know, I think we met at some Intuit event a thousand years ago. Uh, when you were you were working for Intuit at the yeah, time, correct? Yeah, I, uh, I was running global marketing for QuickBooks. Got it, got it. Oh my God, what a job, what a <laughs> job. I, that's, I, I can't even imagine. Um, well, I'm glad uh, that you're here now and, and now you're the CEO of a company called Nav. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what Nav does. Uh, simply put, we help it make it easier for small businesses to access capital. We're the only place that a small business owner can understand what they're qualified for before they apply. And so we've brought together over 70 different lenders. We've got about 110 different business credit cards, got business formation services, and we allow small businesses as well as business insurance. We allow small businesses to compare their options and then make informed choices. In other words, we're trying to help you navigate your financial decisions. Love that. Um, so, and just, I mean, specifically, so if I have a client for you, Greg, and they're looking for financing and, you know, and I, and I say, well, go to nav.com. Um, what will the experience be? In other words, what, what, what will they get out of visiting your site? Sure. Well, we'll invite them to connect their financial data to okay. our platform, which includes their uh, cash flow information, their, their credit information, not just their personal credit, but their business credit. We're the only place that can actually show you your business credit summary scores for free. And then we use that information in a digital experience to help you see which lenders you're qualified for and what types of products you're qualified for and even how much you can get. Um, and then because we're sitting on that same data, we can streamline that application process and save you some time. That's awesome. So, um, and how do you make your money? I mean, do you get like a commission or some type of fee from the lenders themselves? Yeah. Or is it so from the business? Make, if, if a small business actually gets the loan or gets the business credit card or gets the business insurance through us, then we get paid by, by the lender or the card issuer. A lot of what we do for them is, you know, we, we help align qualifications and streamline that process. So it's a bit of a win-win in the ecosystem. Small business owners or the applicants don't waste their time and the borrowers and lenders uh, don't waste their time and money trying to underwrite people that aren't qualified for their products. Got it. And, um, you know, it's funny because your business, it's not too dissimilar from my own. Like we sell CRM applications, my company. And, uh, you know, like Salesforce and Dynamics and Zoho and a few others, but we sell like a half dozen of them. So I don't, you know, like I like that model, like your model in the sense that you're product agnostic, I'm assuming, right? I mean, like Absolutely. I visit yep. your site. Yeah, I'm looking for financing. So you're going to take me through a match. You don't, you don't really care where I'm getting the loan from as long as the financing is the right deal for me, correct? Right. We are absolutely all about streamlining that access to capital. And so we kind of consider it a bit of an aggregation model where we're the objective yeah. advisor to help help navigate those solutions. And just like you said, in the, you know, in the small business ecosystem, there continues to be you know, a proliferation of vertical software and lenders and card issuers. It's very fragmented. And we think our, our role is to create efficiency in this fragmented ecosystem, ultimately really with our, with our eyes on the small business owner as the customer. 
Makes sense. All right, let's talk about 2023. You know, I, um, I've i been writing and speaking about, you know, a year ago, um, at the end of the year for 2022, looking forward, I was predicting that like, you know, blockchain was going to be like a big deal for small businesses. And in some ways it has, in some ways it hasn't, but it has, you know, it's obviously in the news, particularly some of the stuff going on with crypto nowadays. But for 2023, um, tell me if you disagree on this. I mean, like, I, I just... I think it's going to be all about interest in 2023. I mean, this is like the first time, um, you know, I don't know how old you are, but like, you know, this is the first time, like in my memory of running a business, I've been running my business since like the mid nineties where I've really seen like the kind of interest rates that my parents were dealing with back in the seventies and early eighties, not as bad, but high, you know? And I think it's going to have like a, a huge impact on small businesses in 2023. And I wonder if you can, do you agree with that? And, and what are your thoughts on, on the impact of interest rates this coming year? Yeah, I, I think it is going to be a, a huge factor for small businesses, particularly because access to capital on an ongoing basis, we kind of call it, it's like access to, to some degrees, access to water. You know, we all know small businesses have to run on, on thin cash balances. You know, some studies show it's 18 days cash on hand or 30 days cash on hand, which means the availability of that capital has been critical. But now that capital is going to get more expensive. And it's going to get, take more to pay it back. And that becomes you know, a real challenging in a, in a rising interest rate environment. We've all been coasting on you know, cheap capital across the board, but especially small businesses. And now it's going to get more expensive. And so I think that's going to affect, uh, affect a lot of ways that small businesses think about operating their business and think about managing their cash flows. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, people always equate that the, the capital issue is like, well, it's going to have a it's, it's a big problem for, for startups, you know, early stage companies. And it is, there's no question. We're seeing that right now in the tech industry. I mean, they're laying off tens of thousands of people because, you know, capital. So, you know, it's become that much more expensive and their investors are running out of patience, funding losses. But, uh, you know, our audience here is, you know, Greg is, you know, employer owned businesses. I mean, companies that have been around for a while, they're equally as effective. You just mentioned about cash flow. I mean, I, I was at a client just yesterday. I mean, they have 110 employees and, they, you know, they, they live off their working capital line, you know, because yeah. it's a finance inventory and they're like, geez, you know, these costs are really going up. Yeah. And you know, our segment, our target audience tends to be about, you know, 50 employees and below really specializing in 20 employees and below. And so, you know, it is the, the business owner who's trying to make all these financial decisions mm. and, and that cost of capital is definitely going up um, and, and raising, you know, their mindset. And we think about, you know, from hair salons and delivery services and construction and transportation are all core businesses that operate on how much is coming in, how much has to go out, and what do I do when there's a gap in between? Yeah. And that's really the, the we, our platform is really designed to give you that financial health picture to, to help bridge that gap in between. But we show you where the inflows and outflows are coming uh, based upon connecting to your financial data. And I think that's the part that I think small businesses can't take for granted that easy access for capital that they may have had in the past. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. You know, walk me through, Greg, as well, some of the, you know, sort of the universe of, of financing options that we have on your site. I mean, we go all the way. There's, you know, from from traditional banks, um, which are probably the lowest cost of capital, lowest interest rate if you qualify, all the way up to credit card financing, which, you know, obviously is the highest or among the highest in interest rates, but there's, you guys offer other options and they may have some pros and cons more so this year than in the past. I was wondering if you can, if you can walk us through what some of those examples are. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of it depends on essentially what your financial profile is like. If you can right. qualify for a loan or a, a, um, a line of credit from a bank, that's always going to be your cheapest option. The problem is the barrier to entry there has gotten higher and higher. I think we saw that during PPP where a lot of banks were like shocked that these small, small businesses actually wanted them to serve them. Yeah. Tend to, banks avoid risk. And small businesses tend to be risky. So you got five years time in business, healthy, profitable business, scaling. Banks are happy to serve you. Anything else, you get pushed into this, this broader ecosystem of financial products. And it's confusing. On the, it's very different than the consumer side where kind of a mortgage is a mortgage and a student loan is a student loan, a car loan is a car loan. You have all these different financial instruments you know, called cash advances or factoring or term loans or lines of credit. And they all kind of get jumbled together. Uh, for the small business owner. And, and what we try and do, we've, we've, we've aggregated all of those different products and different lenders across the board so that you can say, well, based upon your, not only your, your credit profile and, and what you're actually eligible for, but then what your needs are. And one of the most important questions that is in the small business ecosystem is how soon are you going to pay it back? Right. That starts to determine so much about what type of financial product is good for you. In the small business ecosystem, in the, in the consumer ecosystem and you know, mortgages, we're all used to APR, annual percentage rate. And that's great when you're paying something back over 30 years, but it doesn't become a really good comparison if you're paying something back in three months or six months or 12 months. And so we try and bring these different financial products together and allow you to compare your options. And, and we have content and, and videos and things to help you understand what they are. But the biggest factor truly is, is what are you qualified for? One of the mistakes that other small businesses make is if you apply for products you can't get, and then you start to get hard inquiries onto your credit profile, you actually continuously damage your financial eligibility. And that's one of the things that actually was part of you know, the originating idea on NAV, right? Which is to, to help inform small businesses so they make smart choices. And one of the things we continue to see, continue to see is a lot of small businesses extend themselves. So sometimes their personal credit profile isn't that strong. If you haven't established a business credit profile or you don't really have a good sense of how you're going to be judging your cash flows, you don't really know what your options are. And so you've got all these different financial products and, and some of them sound so too good to be true. Uh, we, try and, we try and create objectivity um, amongst all those, all those pitches that you get as a small business owner. So I was asked this just last week, and so I, and I'll turn around and ask you the same question. I mean, knowing that it's going to be a, a more challenging financing environment in 2023, knowing that interest rates are are, are on the rise and will continue to rise, and I, have, I want to ask about that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, where you know where should we be going for financing? And and just as a preview, like you know, I mean, th there's no more. PPP, there's no more right. idle loans unless you're literally in a disaster area. You know, there's no yeah. more grants or whatever. You know, I, I've been telling my clients that they should be, you know, leaning hard on on SBA loans, uh, like 7A and 504 loans, you know, through an SBA banker, um, only because I, you know, you have more of a chance of getting, you know, getting it approved because they're, you know, I think 80% covered by the government. So, just, you know, even though the bankers hate the paperwork that's yeah. involved. Um, for, so is that bad advice? And also, is there any other place that you're telling small businesses, say in 2023, your best bet is probably going to to go here or to, or to evaluate this? By far and away, it's the best advice if you're actually qualified for that. Yeah. And if you think about it, that, that is actually the highest, one of the highest bars is to qualify for an SBA-backed loan. 
and it's no shortage of paperwork to qualify for it. Um, the SBA would do somewhere around 60 to 80,000 loans a year out of millions of loans. So they, like, they've got good, you know, they've got a good profile if you can qualify. But the challenge for most small business owners is they don't actually qualify for it. There's a, there's a credit score you can get from FICO called the FICO SBSS score. That actually, there's just, it's a kind of a black or white threshold that if you're above, I think a 185, you, you actually qualify. If you don't, you know, welcome to the rest of the ecosystem. I, I got to interrupt you there and say, like, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's disappointing to hear that only because, yeah, I mean, it's not supposed to be what the SBA is for. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're supposed to be a financing vehicle for those types of businesses that would normally qualify for a traditional bank loan. And, and why, you know, so why would you say that, that, that so many other, you know, so many businesses don't in the end qualify? Well, you know, it's a couple of reasons that I don't know we'll have time. This is actually be really interesting to talk about. I, I love what the <laughs> SBA does and what they stand for. Me and too. I think you know, they're, they're advocates for small businesses, but their primary distribution channel is through banks. And banks come back to mitigating risk and minimizing yeah. risk, even if the government's backing the loan. Banks also have, have costs. It costs them as much to underwrite a million dollar or a $5 million SBA loan as a, you know, $25,000 Like, so for banks, there's just, it's a miss, to some degree, it's a misalignment of incentives, even as well as the SBA is intended. One of the exciting trends on the SBA is they are starting to look at making government-backed loans through non-bank lenders. And, and, and so that will actually, who often have streamlined just their underwriting processes, they're using, you know, data and algorithms to, I think we talk about a quick no is so much better than a long maybe. 100% right. And banks tend to sit on long maybes. Um, yeah. Some of the yeah. up and coming, the non-bank lenders and things like that, at least what they're doing because they're using the data and they're crunching through, they can give you the quick no and allow you to move on to the next opportunity. So what you're saying is really that the SBA really needs to revise its distribution system of its loans. And, you know, for sure, banks have, you know, may have some role in it, these, these traditional yeah. banks. But like you, like you said, I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're like to avoid risk. Yeah. And there are other ways to get loans out there. I mean, the idle loans that went out during COVID were because were, it was a disaster. Yeah. You know, it, it, it came directly from the SBA. And believe me, there are lots of issues with, you know, those loans as well from a fraud standpoint and a processing standpoint. But uh, in the end, it's the SBA uh, probably needs to, you know, to reevaluate. But that doesn't, I guess in the end, it doesn't help, you know, our clients, right. you know, right now. Well, they're still looking. So where else? Where, 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 what other options would be? Well, I was going to say, especially if you know, the SBA is kind of not for companies kind of in launch mode or kind of yeah. kind of survival mode. They're kind of for companies who have scaled, got to that point. You know, they love funding companies that have 50 employees and want to go to 100. They also yeah. think about like, how do I drive employment, right? And that's what we saw in the, in, in the, the PPP wasn't the small business protection plan. It was the payroll protection plan. True. And you saw how they had to revise everything because they realized a lot of small businesses either have just even a couple or no employees. It just wasn't structured for them. And that's the, I think the SBA is really going to have to reframe its thinking, not just on distribution, but it's it's the structure of who it's trying to get capital to and restructure some of that. I am definitely going to write about this. <laughs> I mean, you know, this conversation is like, I'm like, my whales are turning and that's, yeah. it, it's, it, it's a good topic to have. But all right. So anyway, so- yeah. Other options because you've got you know Nav is providing options to yeah. to me and my clients. So 
What do you think will be hot in 20, you know, 23 as far as potential financing options? So the, the, the number one thing I think every small, it should almost be on your checklist of, of things is just have a line of credit. Okay. Something you can draw on when you need it. It's there, it's available that you don't have to go reapply for capital when, when, when you need it. And even if it's starting with a, a small line of credit, by drawing and paying it back, drawing it, you actually improve your financial qualification so you can qualify for more credit. Um, and I think that's the, that by far and away is the, uh, the, where people are going to go, even for banks, term loans, right? Where they give you the chunk of money up front and you pay it back over a longer period of time. There's even for non-bank lenders, that's risky because they don't know what's going to happen at the end of 12 months or 24 months. And so those products are be, like, are just becoming less and less available term loan products. We are one of the distribution partners for, um, uh, Marcus, which is delivered by Goldman Sachs. And they're fascinating to look at because they're very smart people, Goldman Sachs, right? And they're like, hmm, this line of credit product, this term loan product, let's lean into the line of credit product. And so I think right. the it is a bit of alignment of a bit of an alignment of risk and access is lines of credit. I'm sorry, no, because I mean, you bring up such a great point. I apologize for jumping in, but um, on that line of credit, your recommendation that you have though, most lines of credit though have variable interest rates, I'm, I'm assuming, yep. correct? So that that's something that we have to be aware of, and and I do, and I wonder, uh, you know, I I was going to ask you about interest rates, you know, anyway, and this is a kind of a good segue just into that, you know, in twenty twenty three, do you expect interest rates to continue increasing? I know you're not a, yeah, you got your crystal ball out, you're you know can only do what you're going to do, um, and I'm kind of curious what, you know, what kinds of interest rates you would expect your, you know, your your borrowers to be looking at, business commercial borrowers. Yeah. Because uh, they're a lot higher. Yeah, there are. They're definitely uh, a lot higher, right? Um, and I think whatever I, the stuff I'm reading, we're all reading. It's like yeah. they're not. The Fed is not quite done yet, right? Right. So that means right. the rates go go up. And what becomes interesting is so if the red, if the Fed tends to raise rates by half a point, lenders tend to raise rates by a full point, <laughs> and, and and so on. So it just gets gets more expensive. I think for if you've got even if you've got, got it, it all depends on your your financial profile on your qualification profile. And so they're going to, they're going to offer a rate that's commensurate with what they see in your risk. If you've got good cash flows, you can show, you know, good average daily balance, no NSFs. Um, you know, your, your credit profile is strong. You can get, you know, your rates will be kind of in probably in the low teens ish, you know, if they, you're staying there, but they're, they're all kind of creepy creeping up. Um, and that's where, you know, but sometimes the rate, again, it's an annual percentage rate. If you're going to pay it back in three months or six months, sometimes at, you know, one product versus the next, the delta and actually how much, you know, if you, if it costs you 25 to pay back 23, it's a little bit of a different framing than interest rates. And, you know, that's what we try and help small businesses compare their, compare their options. But if you're not well qualified or particularly if your personal credit is say, you know, 650 or below or even you know lower than that you know the rates are just going to go higher and higher you know it's um it, it's a little spooky only because the you know we hear about mortgage rates right now as, as we're recording this we're averaging around seven percent um you know commercial rates you know for the past 10 15 years for my clients have been you know lower than that six yeah. to eight percent you know now you're talking about even for the you know the better condition businesses could be looking to pay interest rates in the low teens it's just a lot higher than what we were paying before. And that, that just has yeah. an impact on, on businesses. Um, you had mentioned as well about 
you know, differentiate, and I don't want to run out of time here, but you did bring up a really interesting point about differentiating between the, an, the annual rate and not. And I'm assuming you're talking about like sort of online, some like online lenders where when, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like they might have interest rates that are just like 50% a year, but nobody gets annual loans from these people exactly. for like yeah. short, quick things, yeah. right? So talk a little bit about that and why why those when those would be preferred over yeah. your a traditional lender. And part of that, that's kind of part of why we got into the business because there are predatory lenders out there that have like commissions of judgment and all these other horrible things. And there are ones who are like, no, look, we're not trying to do it. We'll be, we'll be transparent. We try and work with the ones who are transparent and have, have guidance, right? But if you calculate, like that's where if you're gonna pay it back, you know, some of these online lenders, they're gonna be your best option. And the value added is, you know, um, like I would say, never feel like you're locked into a lender. You always have other options, especially if you can take credit and pay it back. You've just improved your financing options. You should be able to move. In the small business space, uh, lenders tend to ladder, right? One lender tends to work here. The next lender is just slightly under them. And the next one's just under them. And so you can work your way up that ladder when you know what your options are. Um, but it is like, so one of the things you can do is take a short-term loan that on an annual basis looks high, but make sure you can pay it back. Don't take more cash or credit than you need. And that's a little bit of, you know, kind of to your point on guide advice for the small business owners is just do a little bit of math. You know, kind of understand, you know, how, you know, if you can, if you can take on some debt and then pay it back and you're pretty certain on it, that's actually a good move, even if it seems expensive right now, because what you're going to do, you're going to move yourself up that ladder and lower your cost of capital over time. You know, and just to reinforce that point, you know, I, I had a client, this is a, a year or so ago, I uh, was opening up a coffee shop in Philadelphia, had got a, a prime retail location for it, but the landlord was requiring like a giant, you know, deposit, which he did not have the funds for. And he went to an online lender, a, re a reputable online lender, um, and it could have been through NAV actually, but it was, it was, um, and the annual interest rate was like, you know, 60% or 50%, yeah. but he didn't, he only needed enough money so that he could, he could put the down payment on. And then he basically then refinanced that into a more of a traditional yes. longer term loan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess that's to your point. Like he wasn't paying 50% interest. He paid a fee because it made business sense for him to do that. And that's how we all have to be sort of viewing financing, right? Absolutely. That ability to move, like we think about a 30 year mortgage, right? It's like, well, that's what we're going to do for 30 years. I'm a small business owner. You can get capital and then restructure it and refinance that debt. There's just, there's this, this random amalgamation of different lenders, right? And so it's trying to find out what you can do, especially given how much time you have. There's a great yeah. study that says, you know, if you're going for a bank loan, you expect somewhere between, you know, you know, eight to 15 hours worth of paperwork and back and forth, right? And sometimes you're like, I just need to get this capital so yeah. I can get this lease signed and then I can restructure it. And that speed is where some of these non-bank lenders and these online lenders can really help you as long as you go to the best one for your financial situation. Which is exactly the reason why he went to that online lender because he had the money in his account you know, within yeah. 24 hours. So, And they all like you, like what NAV does, I mean, you you, know, you connect your financials. If you're using QuickBooks or Zero or Sage or whatever, you connect yeah. them and yeah, they can see what your history is right away and make quicker decisions. Yeah. Greg, we're almost out of time. This has been a great conversation. Oh. I, I really appreciate it. Um, just one final question for you is, again, for 2023. You know, is there, if you're willing to pay, and I don't mean like Tony Soprano pay, I, I mean, <laughs> if you're willing to pay, is there, do you still expect there to be 
you know, you know, financing alternatives out there for most small and mid-sized businesses in 2023, you know, as long as you're, you're expecting that it's going to just cost more. Is that the environment that we're in? Yeah, I, I, there, there is definitely, there's an option for everyone, right? Okay. At some point, you know, what you want to avoid is the two guys in tracksuits on the corner, you know, Rocky Balboa out there taking care of things. We're trying to kind of say, what are the next best alternatives, right? And some of what that... By the way, I take that personally because I'm from Philadelphia, but I'll, I'll let it slide for the purposes of this conversation, okay? So there <laughs> is an option for, for everyone, right? It gets more expensive right. and the, the amount you can borrow gets smaller. But that's where I would say, you know, if you're, if you're deliberate about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way up that ladder, you can over time move from one lender to the next lender, improve your financing qualifications. You get judged not only in your cash flows, and your credit profile, but how well you've paid back previous debt. And I think that's where it becomes more important in a high interest rate environment that you're always thinking, especially going back to our initial point, knowing that you're, you're always going to need the, a little bit of that lifeline. You know, you know, you're going to need access to capital for planned and particularly unplanned expenses. And so kind of gearing yourself up, building your financial profile so that you're ready when you need it. Great advice. And I will take that back to my clients as well. So thank you. I've been speaking with Greg Ott, who's the CEO of Nav Inc. at nav.com. Greg, um, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have you back sometime in 2023 and we'll see how right or wrong we both were about <laughs> where things were going during the year. But I, uh, I, I appreciate your time very much. A pleasure, Gene. Thanks for having me. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.